Blog Talk Radio. The following is a post time with Mike and Mike production. Beckham Sea Jam down by the seaside. Beckham Sea Jam wins the Breeders' Crown. It's Rock and Ron McWicked on the inside. McWicked to win the Jim York Memorial. Fear the Dragon fights on down by the seaside on the outside. Fear the Dragon down by the seaside. Down by the seaside and Brian Sears gets up to do it. Keystone Velocity getting closer. Mel Mar looking for the line. Keystone Velocity. Keystone Velocity takes it at the very end. All bets off. Keystone Velocity. Keystone Velocity. And Dan Dubé to win the Potomac Pace. This guy's the Energizer Bunny as they head for the wire. Fire your guns. Here he comes. Foiled again. He keeps going and going and going and going and going. You are tuned in to the official podcast of the sport of harness racing post time with Mike and Mike with the co-hosts Mike Carter and it's bus 936 and bus 936 on the wings of an angel and Mike Bozich outside heaven rocks but the clock's running out Bella Buster Hanover wins the Commodore Ferry going and going Another edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Pet America. Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, this a very special edition of the big show here today. And one big reason for that is because Mike Carter is broadcasting live from the USTA studios just outside of Columbus, Ohio. If you haven't heard the news, it was uh, plastered all over the USTA, all over social media, back on Monday, June 4th, where my broadcast partner, one half of the post time with Mike and Mike team, Mike Carter, joins the United States Trotting Association social media and PR team. Let's uh, read this article very, very quickly before we bring in my good friend uh, broadcasting live from Ohio. Mike Carter, the 2017 U.S. Harness Riders Association Breakthrough Award winner and well-known co-host of Post Time with Mike and Mike. Well, I, well, I don't know about well-known, Mike Carter. Come on. But anyway, <laughs> presented by Bet America, joined the U.S. Drawing Association on Monday as social media and public relations coordinator. Carter comes to the USTA from Northfield Park, where he served as assistant director of mutuals and backup track and Announcer. Carter was uh, also the uh, track announcer at Buffalo Raceway and uh, did mutuals there and some marketing and just the jack of all trades. And we got a quote in that article from uh, Dan Leary, the USTA Director of Marketing and Communications, saying that Michael Carter is a great addition to the USTA's communications team because he brings knowledge, experience, and a large network of contacts throughout the industry to the Position. So let me just give my take on this, and then we're going to bring in Mike. Let me let me give you my take on this. And I, you know, said it on Facebook when I give you your little congratulatory message. Mike Carter, out of 20 years I've been in this business, my good friend and broadcast partner, Mike Carter, is one of the hardest working, most passionate people that I have ever known. 
that in the sport of harness racing and Mike cares about the sport of harness racing and its participants very, very deeply. And Mike has got a tireless way about him when it comes to getting stuff done for not only the show, not only for who he may work for at the time, but this industry. And it was a great, great hire by the USTA. Mike will be working alongside of Wendy Ross uh, in their social media department. And I'll tell you what, it was, in my opinion, a fantastic hire. They could not found, it could not have found a better person for the job. But without further ado, while uh, Mike's head's continue, his head continues to swell, <laughs> let's bring it in. Let's bring in Mike Carter. Mike broadcasting live from the USTA studios, buddy. That's got a nice ring to it. Yeah, it does. And uh, listen, your check's in the mail. I, uh, for all that stuff you said, I promise. And, uh, you know, it feels good to be here. Uh, we've got a lot of great things going on um, currently here at the USTA. Uh, we're working on some fun stuff. And uh, the next couple of weeks are going to be really exciting. We can't wait to share it with everybody else. So we're going to break traditional format from the show. Usually we talk a little bit about what's going on in the business for the first couple of minutes. We go to our first commercial break, and then we bring in a guest. But we're going to break format uh, for this show just a little bit because of the situation and, and your current situation. I mean, last time we talked to you, you were at Northfield Park preparing for the Battle of Lake Erie, which, by the way, was a hell of a race. We'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. But uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit about your new position, what this means to you on a personal level, and, of course, what this means to you on a professional level. So first of all, let's talk to you, Mike, about this on a personal level. What went into the decision? And I know that it, obviously whenever you change jobs, it's a very big decision. A lot of different factors have to be considered. But what went into your decision to uh, jump aboard the USDA? You know, a lot went into it, um, obviously, uh, you know, from, from a personal standpoint, um, you know, it, it was something, social media is something that I am very much interested in, marketing, something I'm very much interested in, and the creative aspect of it, Mike, um, that's the biggest thing. Uh, this job will allow me to be very creative in what I do, um, working alongside of Jason Turner and Wendy Ross and the gang here. Uh, we're going to be able to create some new things and uh, do some different things, so on a personal level, it was uh, it will allow my creativity to expand let's talk professional because i know that you put harness racing way above it and let me tell you what if anybody if you've ever met mike <laughs> carter mike carter doesn't have an ego at all mike carter puts the business first and the profession first and works tirelessly not only on the air but behind the scenes in doing what's right for the sport of harness racing so let's talk a little bit about on a professional level, you're here at the USGA. You're going to be working alongside of Wendy Ross and Rich and Jason and obviously some of the other people uh, there at the USGA. Tell us a little bit about what your responsibilities are going to be. Uh, you know, it's going to be a, a multitude of things, um, managing the social media pages uh, for, for the United States Trotting Association. I'll be working with Wendy Ross to do some of the harness racing fan zone stuff. Uh, I'll be on Facebook. Um, we're going to be working to, um, you know, manage some of those websites. I'll be uh, doing some newsroom work as well. So uh, a, a lot is entailed. Uh, we're still trying to figure out the nuts and bolts to it all, but uh I'll tell you what, it's, uh, it's a lot of moving parts and things you wouldn't expect to see, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. 
We've talked many times to and about Allison Conti, the the former social media director there at the USTA, and just the major contributions that she has made uh, to the sport in a lot of different ways. Um, obviously, those are very big shoes to fill. I mean, Allison was a go-getter. She went out there and hustled and did a lot of great work, uh, not only you know in front of the in front of the curtain, but behind the curtain as well, uh, behind the scenes. But you know, with that being said. I know that you and Wendy are going to put your own different twists. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody does things differently. And I know you're going to put your own little twists, you know, to things, especially when it comes to social media. And we've talked about this on numerous occasions uh, during the two and a half year course of this show so far about how important social media is. You know, harness the, the argument can be made that harness racing missed the television bus 30 or 40 years ago, and we cannot miss the social media bus. How important is social media to the future of the sport of harness racing? It's very important, not just to the future of harness racing in general. We have to do it with a purpose and an intent. And I think that's uh, that's something that I've learned even just in the first few days here um, is we have to jump on the bandwagon and we got to do it the right way. We can't just, you know, hustle out and do it. You got to kind of take it back, be a little bit slow about it and kind of just, you know, take your time and figure out what kind of audience you want to reach. And I think that's the biggest thing. Now, I know you've got some plans and ways you want to do things. Can you kind of let the cat out of the bag a little bit, maybe give us some hints? I know you probably can't go into too much depth about it at this time. I mean, it's only, what, your 34th day. (laughs) But tell us a little bit about what we can expect to see uh, from the social media platforms and from the Harness Racing Fan Zone. You know, we're we're gonna just gonna be working hard to you know pr- positively promote the sport of harness racing. Um, obviously, I can't go into too many details just yet. We've got some big announcements coming over the next uh, couple of weeks, but you know, we're we're gonna positively promote the sport of harness racing, and we're just gonna continue to do what we do. Uh, work extremely hard with uh, Wendy Ross and the gang here, uh, Rich Johnston, uh, Jason Turner, and Mark Hall, and uh, of course Dan Leary to work with all those guys um, to just make it the best product that we can. Um, and really promote the sport of harness racing and try to attract some new people. Mike, I'm getting a lot of questions about how this is going to impact the show post time with Mike and Mike. And I know we've uh, already had a lot of conversations uh, about it. Can you share a little bit about with our listening audience, the impact that this is going to have on post time with Mike and Mike? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I fielded a lot of those questions uh, myself as well as, you know, what's going to happen to the show? Uh, what's going to happen to Mike and Mike? And uh, there's still a lot of things, uh, m- moving parts to that equation, um, stuff that we can't really discuss just yet. But what it means for the show is this. Uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike will continue to positively promote the sport of harness racing. Um, we will continue to do our show every week. You're still going to hear from us every week. You're going to, you know, catch us on our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com. Handicappers Corner, that will not change. Um, And obviously, uh, we're going to have some more big announcements, uh, hopefully within the next uh, week or two uh, as to what's coming. But, um, you know, what it means as far as the day-to-day operations of the show, it doesn't change one thing. This is something that uh, is being fully supported um, from everybody here. And I am super thankful uh, for the staff and management at the USTA for being supportive of the show. And, you know, it's just going to be – you know, it's going to be an exciting time. So bigger and better. Yes, bigger and better, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that, uh, you know, when we can talk about it. 
All right, that sounds good. A lot of different things in the work, and you, you know, I kind of, I kind of put you on the spot here. I know this is only your fourth day. <laughs> I, come, I come at you with a barrage of questions, and believe me, we do a lot of production work, and we do a lot of, you know, meetings behind the scenes to try to map out the show and this and that. But uh, I threw these questions at Carter Cole, did I not? Yeah, you did. I had no time to prepare for this, so uh, I, you know, you know, question, question wise, I didn't prepare. No, you didn't get any questions ahead of time. So this was this was completely cold, and and uh, I thought you did well. I mean, I put you on the spot. I asked you some tough questions there, and I and I thought you did well. But this is a fantastic thing. And you know, we talk about the USTA studios, and you know, obviously, a lot of people in the sport of harness racing have never been uh, to the USTA facility, let alone to the USTA um, studios. First of all, tell us a little bit about. The USTA facility. I mean, what what's behind the nuts and bolts of the actual building of the USTA? You know, there, there's a bunch of us, um, you know, in, in our own little separate cubicles, and it's nice because um, we're all right with each other. Um, right. That's that's the big thing. I can turn around and look at Jason Turner or Wendy Ross or Mark Hall and say, "Hey, I need this photo," or "Hey, I need this," and that it, it allows us to have some collaborative uh, conversations between you know the three or four of us. And, and the great thing um, about the studio that I'm working in currently is it can fit probably it could probably fit 30 people in here. Not that uh, I or uh, Rich would want 30 people in here, but, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we could probably fit 30 people in here and it allows us to kind of collaborate uh, between uh, the meeting of the minds and all the uh, creative minds that we have and kind of work through things. So that's, that's the nuts and bolts of the facility, uh, so to speak. Uh, you can find, uh, you know, encyclopedias of hoof beats dating back until it started. Uh, there is a lot of rich harness racing history here. That's good stuff. And you talked a little bit about the USTA studio. Now, the USTA studio is – that's kind of Rich's playground, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. That's uh, that's Rich's playground. You should see this place. Uh, you know, it, it's got a lot of, uh, lot of equipment in it, and uh, it, it's fun to work with. Uh, I've kind of came in here with Rich uh, kind of messing around. Wendy actually came in yesterday, and we were kind of messing around back and forth uh, practicing for, uh, you know, when we do, like, live uh, shoots and things like that uh, at – some of the racetracks. So it, it really allows us to kind of come in and practice a little bit and uh, have some fun. Now, if you don't know Rich Johnston, of course, Rich is kind of like a mad scientist when it comes down to this kind of stuff, isn't it? <laughs> Rich is amazing when it comes to this type of stuff. You should have seen uh, we're working on a, a little something, and when we were working on it yesterday, to see him kind of cut and paste and move things around, it, it was really cool to kind of see how he worked with certain programs and uh, move things around the way he does. And I, I tell you what, there's a uh, there's there's one thing that I'm staring at, and I'm of course I'm staring at <laughs> staring at Rich, but uh, I, I keep telling him the one thing that I stare at all the time, and I kind of you know just you know hope I get one one of these days is. Uh, is the Emmy that's sitting here. So so that's kind of cool to look at too. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, for those of you, for those people that don't know, t- tell, tell them about that Emmy, Mike. Um, it, it was a, uh, I believe it was a TV production uh, broadcast that he helped uh, put together um, while he was in Columbus, uh, while he was working for a TV station in Columbus. So that's a, uh, it, it's kind of a cool story and uh, we'll ha- maybe we'll have to share it one day. All right. Now, you know, uh, one thing I did want to spring on you, okay? I've already sprung a lot of different things on you that you didn't know what was coming. But 
we do have a brand new sponsor to the show here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. And not only is this a brand new sponsor to the show, Mike, but this is a brand new sponsor to the sport of harness racing. And so I wanted to spring this on you. And, you know, I just want to play a little clip from our sponsor here. So without further ado, let's 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 listen. Build-A-Bear Workshop, you can choose your own new furry friend, stuff it with lots of love, and make a wish. Then dress it just right. So your new friend is truly one of a kind. There's nothing else like it. Only at Build-A-Bear Workshop. I, I quit. That's it. <laughs> For those of you uh, that have no idea of what we're talking about, and honestly, let's let's just I think this is the coolest thing in the world. Okay, so Mike's down in Columbus. You know, he still has his place up towards Cleveland, and that's where his significant other Kate is. Okay, and obviously they're you know not going to be seeing as much of each other because of of work obligations from both both parties. So. Here's what they did. I thought this was awesome. <laughs> they both went and got a Build-A-Bear and dressed it like each other. And now, so Mike has in his possession a Build-A-Bear of Kate, and Kate in her possession has a Build-A-Bear of Mike. Now, here's what struck me about this. And Garnett, by the way, Garnett really give you a lot of, lot of yeah, uh, flack I, over it. I get a lot of flack for that, yeah. But but yeah, here's he, the thing, flat. great thing about it. It's a cool idea. It's a cool concept. You know, we're just pl- messing around. But here's the here's the funny thing about it. It's on Facebook, okay? If anybody's a Facebook friend of Mike, uh, if you see Mike's Build-A-Bear, okay, the one that Kate made for Mike, it looks just like him. <laughs> it does. It really does. I mean, I, as a matter of fact, it's, I think it's better looking than you are. Oh, thanks a lot, buddy. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> but anyway, so can, can we get on with the show now for crying out loud? Yeah, this thing is dragging. On, this is, <laughs> right, listen, you've drugged this thing out long enough, and uh, people are probably falling asleep by now. It's going to be yeah, a great show. Yeah. We're, we're, you know, we've got some great things going on, and uh, we're going to talk to our man, Dave Miller, who joins the show, who drives Heaven Rocks. And boy, you've had a lot of fun calling Heaven Rocks over the last couple of weeks. And uh, this is a horse that came uh, from overseas, Mike. And one thing about the horses that come from overseas, you never know how they're going to perform. Uh, you never know what their first couple of starts, and boy, has he hit the ground running uh, or pacing, so to speak, over the last uh, couple of weeks. He certainly has, and I'll tell you, I'm gonna and I'm gonna wait till Dave gets on the air to talk about this. But this is a very impressive looking horse, Mike. I mean, at second asking, uh, second stateside start, he was in the $150,000 Commodore Barry here, and he just missed to uh, Filibuster Hanover, who, by the way, is going to be a complete monster. You want to talk about a horse that can fly, Filibuster Hanover is a, a four-year-old to watch as uh, we go on the weeks and months here in the stakes season uh, throughout 2018. But I'll tell you, perhaps the biggest performance by Heaven Rocks was his last start because it was last Sunday. It was in a great Northeast Series event. The track was really off. I mean, we usually race our upper condition-level horses here on Sunday, and they usually go in the upper 50s, lower 51s. They were doing 53s and 54s, and Heaven Rocks did a 150 under wraps. Just a fantastic effort. 
and we're going to talk to Dave about that. Plus, Julie Miller is coming up. We're going to talk to uh, her a little bit about some of her young horses she's got. She's got some good ones. They always do. So we're going to talk to Julie about some of the horses that she has that we could look out for in the 2018 season. Plus, Ken Weingartner is going to join us, Mike, the USDA Driving School. Uh, I'll tell you what, that is such a cool concept, and we're going to talk to Ken a little bit about that. And our man, the natural, Rich Matei, we do have to spend a couple of minutes to talk about the Belmont <laughs> Days, Mike. Oh yeah, we got we got to talk a little bit about the Belmont and uh, what's coming up there. Uh, we I tell you what a historic weekend that we could potentially see uh, coming up this weekend. And plus, Rich is the announcer of Gateway, so we'll get, Rich has got yeah. a couple of two year olds oh, yeah. he wants to talk about. So we'll talk uh, with Rich as well about that. So a lot left to come on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Enough fooling around. Let's get this thing going after this commercial timeout. Julie Miller joins us up next. At BetAmerica, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the BetAmerica way. Over the past 25 years, Hoosier Park has revolutionized harness racing across the nation. The action returns Friday, March 30th, with racing every Tuesday through Saturday, starting at 6.30 p.m. Join Revolution at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Visit HoosierPark.com for more information. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Retrain. Rehab. Rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. Back of this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. We're joined now by a trainer, Julie Miller. And Julie, what a busy couple of days it has been for you. But uh, how are you this morning? I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Now, Julie, uh, we haven't had you on the show before, so we always start people out the same way. Uh, how in the world did you get involved in the sport of harness racing and uh, talk to us a little bit about, uh, obviously, the family aspect has been involved. Your last name's Miller, so uh, so it probably goes back uh, pretty far. <laughs> yep, yep. Um, actually, um, my parents raised horses. I'm originally from Iowa, and we just did the Iowa Fair Circuit there where I got my feet wet. And um, luckily, uh, the Quad City Downs was local there, so we would race at uh, East Moline and at Fairmont. And then um, we always started gravitating towards um, Illinois racing, where I uh, ended up meeting um, uh, Andy, who became my husband, and we just uh, started our business from there. 
All right. And uh, talk to us, Julie, a little bit about uh, I, I was kind of fed some information yesterday um, uh, from my colleague, Wendy Ross. Uh, TJ and Olivia are your two uh, are you two kids. Uh, how are they involved in kind of the day to day operations and uh, the uh, daily aspect of the barn? Well, definitely our stable is a family based and family run. Um, Tyler, my son, who is uh, 20 years old, he uh, goes to school actually at Ryder University here in New Jersey full time, but he just loves the horses. Um, he trains in, with us in the summer and any breaks, and he uh, recently just got his paramutual license for driving, and um, he's all gun ho about it. He, uh, he really is a benefit of the sport. Um, training with us and then my daughter she's going to be a freshman at Fairleigh Dickinson University up in North Jersey and uh, she also loves the horses uh, she started riding actually Tim Tiedrich's wife Ashley was her first riding instructor so um, it always seems to circle back around with the horses and and uh, she loves the sport as well and uh, you know I'm just really blessed my parents um, are out here in Jersey with us my dad helps jog and train the horses every day so we're definitely a tight-knit group, and, and it's enjoyable to do what you love with your family. Visiting with trainer Julie Miller. Julie, you guys had uh, 14 horses in a gateway this past Monday. Tell us about uh, how that went. Uh, you know, obviously, you, you guys always have a lot of young horses uh, that go out there and compete. Tell us a little bit about how, you know, the whole day went in general and maybe some of the, you know, some of the two-year-olds that, that we could be looking forward to. Yes. Well, you know what? Our um, home training center is Gateway Farm, so it's just really great for us to, to be able to be here on our home track and, you know, not to ship anywhere and stuff for their first qualifying experience. So, um, you know, it's relatively went pretty smoothly. We uh, had the bump in the road where we had a rain delay for an hour, but after that, you know, it, it went really well. Um, between my husband, Andy, myself, and my son, Tyler, we qualified, like you said, 14, and it pretty much kind of went as we expected, the, the ones that we thought would um, maybe be uh, uh, stronger or uh, more advanced at this time. They did really well. Um, a couple of probably my highlight horses would have been my father, Patrick Holt, so strong. He um, had a really nice qualifier out here. He went 157-4, and um, Andy said he was really pleased with him. Um, another horse that we had that we you know kind of were high on, was uh, French Cafe, who also is another um, Father Patrick, a homebred of Marvin and Alan Katz. And um, uh, she went in 158-4, and we were really pleased with her effort as well. Julie, kind of tell us about the Father Patrick um, sired horses. Uh, we're kind of seeing them kind of start to roll out uh, over the uh, racing ovals, and uh, they're kind of new on the scene. Uh, what are they like in the barn, and uh, how are they on the racetrack? What, what I've been told is um, there was only, I think, 44 of them uh, on the ground that could train this year. And um, so, you know, with a, a limited uh, amount of horses, all I'm hearing is good, good things. We were able to um, train three Father Patrick's, uh, two fillies and one colt, and we've been really, really impressed with how they've trained down, uh, their gait, their mannerisms, uh, their attitude. Um, as of right now, I can't say anything but great things about the Father Patrick's. Visiting with trainer Julie Miller. Julie, what 
what are we looking for for these two-year-olds at this time of year? I mean, obviously, they're still a little bit of ways away from racing. Um, you know, as far as – and I know trainers, a lot of different trainers look for a lot of different things from their young horses at this point of the year. But what are you, in particular, what are you looking for at this time of the year from your young horses? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, what I'm really looking for, you know, like you said, we're in June. We're starting the qualifiers is, um, you know, watching their talent, showing me, you know, when I do train them that, that they have a, a desire to go, um, a want for racing, a great gait, a good attitude. Um, you know, pretty much everything has to come together at this time of year. It becomes our, our go time with these two-year-olds. And, you know, if we see, like, some this type of talent, you know, we go to qualify. And the biggest thing for Andy and I are these first few qualifiers is just a good experience. You know, get behind the gate, get with other horses, um, be manageable so the drivers can drive them how they think the race would be tailored for them. And and that, like you say, have, have to go. You know, racing nowadays is, is just, you know, faster and faster these horses have to go at an earlier stage in their career. And, you know, you just try to manage them the best way to um, have them as fit as they can be um, for their whole, you know, their whole career. Well, it's always a busy time this time of year for Julie and Andy Miller. Well, Julie, listen, we'll let you get back to work. We certainly appreciate you joining us on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet American. Best of luck to you here in 2018 and beyond. We'll be checking back in with you. Very good. And, again, thank you for having me on the show. Much appreciated. All right, that was Julie Miller. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's always interesting, Mike, to hear what different trainers are looking for in their horses. But, you know, she brought up a very good point. I mean, it's a speed game now. I mean, it's, you know, these horses, uh, even the low-end claimers, I mean, pacers, uh, you know, we're going 56 and 55 and even faster than that. So, I mean, speed is the game right now. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, look at French Cafe and Amal Hall, uh, who ran 1-2 uh, together in a two-year-old Philly trot, Mike. Their last quarter was 28 seconds flat uh, for a two-year-old. That is absolutely flying uh, for a trotter. So, um, you know, she's right. The back half there was 57-2, uh, and two, and uh, it is currently all about speed at this point. And Mike, some uh, bad news now. Build-A-Bear just pulled their sponsorship, so yeah. we, just, we ran one commercial and they they just pulled it. I don't like. I don't think they like the way your Build-A-Bear looked. So, uh, well, well, you uh, know what? That's you know. We'll just have to you know. That it is what it is. Of course, I'm never going right, to hear they, the end of this one. Oh no, this is, is going to be fantastic. I can't wait. I hope I hope Garnett's listening because you know Garnett put me up to this. I I don't want to throw anybody under the bus. Yeah, but, right. but Garnett put me up to this. Our good good colleague there who continues to be on fire in his handicapping, by the way. Yes, he does. He definitely uh, is on fire as of late. And how about our man Gold Sheet Bob? Uh, over wow. The past, past over the past two weeks. He has been absolutely phenomenal as of late. And uh, speaking of the Handicappers Corner, it returns uh, full-time to Post Time with Mike and Mike this week. Um, I tackle the Hoosier Park Friday program, and you'll tackle the Harris Philadelphia program uh, coming up, I believe, on Sunday, we decided. Sunday, so, yeah. um, you know, so be, uh, be checking that out as well. 
And uh, Mike, also real quick before we get to Dave Miller, I want to talk about it uh, a little bit while we're waiting on him, is the Pepsi North America Cup is coming up oh, next yeah. Saturday. Uh, the eliminations for that race are this weekend. And boy, I'll tell you what, when you're looking at the entries, you know, you look at the first elim, you know, great. You know, there's there's a lot of great horses. Dorsodoro Hanover drew into that race. Uh, assuming that's the second uh, elimination. He drew post number eight. You look at the first one and you got, of course, you got Hayden Hanover. Over. You've got um, done well in the field, who's currently the two to one morning line favorite. And then you look at the third elimination, Mike, for the Pepsi North America Cup, and you would think you're looking at the final. You've got Lost in Time, Lather Up, Babes Dig Me, Schnitzel Do Something, uh, Courtly Choices into the mix there. That is probably the most competitive elimination that we're going to see. And uh, we could really see some racing develop out of that third and final, final elimination. That's right, and we are going to be there, Mike. That is going to be an outstanding event. We are certainly looking forward to all the action. Uh, Stay tuned to our Twitter page and our Facebook page and, of course, our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com, as we kind of hone in on the actual broadcast time. But, uh, Mike, I know you're looking forward to it. You've had a chance to uh, see the facility already, and, Mike, you already give it your A-plus stamp of approval, haven't you? Yeah, uh, Woodbine Mohawk Park is a fantastic uh, facility. If you've never gone, you should check it out. Tickets are still available for North America Cup Night. But if you're not going to go on North America Cup Night, go on any other night, Mike. Uh, Any other night at um, Woodbine Mohawk Park is a nice time to go. Uh, It's a family-friendly atmosphere. There's picnic tables everywhere, Uh, a newly renovated uh, TV studio, Uh, a lot of great renovations um, came to Woodbine Mohawk Park over the winter, and it's a very nice place. Like I said, if you've never checked it out, you should. It's a nice place to kind of watch a race. All right. Our man Dave Miller is in the on-deck circle, plus Ken Weingartner, Rich the Natural, Matei, and much more on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. It's Mike Bozich live from the announcer's booth at Aeros, Philadelphia, and Mike Carter live from the USTA studios just outside of Columbus, Ohio. Back after this. Mike Bozich here along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st to October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. 12 championship races. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick got a coast home a champion here. Breeders' Crown 2018 coming to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Pitching up the rail. Modern legend there. Four is again. Dead game. Clear vision right on the outside. Pit Rock on the inside. Photo finish. Four is again at Pit Rock together.
Standard Bread Pleasure Horse Organization of New Jersey is proud to present the National Standard Bread Horse Show. Coming up on August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. It's fun for the whole family. The fun starts on Friday, August 10th at 6.30 with games and fun divisions featuring the Sam McKee Memorial Barrel Race. Then on Saturday, August 11th, it's Western In-Hand Showmanship, Driving, Roadster, and Gated Divisions. And on Sunday, August 12th, Dressage, English Equitation, Jumping, Hunters Fresh Off the Track, War Horse, and the Pacing for the Cure 2 Gated Pleasure Class. This year's show is in memory of the late, great Sam McKee. For more information, visit us at sphonj.org. That's sphonj.org. It's the National Standard Bread Horse Show, August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. Be there! Back on both sides with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter, is broadcasting live from the USDA studios. Right now, we're joined by the Hall of Famer, one of our favorite guys in this whole industry we call hardest racing, Dave Miller. Dave, how are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing good today. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, you had to be doing good back on Sunday because Heaven Rocks raced absolutely outstanding off that second place finish in the Commodore Barry. This is a horse that you got from overseas, and I'll tell you what, he is going to be a darn good one. He already is a darn good one. Tell us a little bit about how you got to uh how you came across this one. Well, uh this past uh winter we took a uh trip uh, me and my wife and Misty Norman and his wife, uh, we went to New Zealand and uh, and also Australia. And we went to Australia the night of the uh, Hunter Cup. And uh, I was driving that night, but I said I told Misty, I said, let's go down and uh, let's look at these horses, you know, like Lenny the Shark and Lazarus. I thought, I just want to see them in person, you know. <clears throat> and so we're down there and uh, we're looking at Lazarus and the horse stand right beside him was Heaven Rock. And uh, I, I didn't so much uh, pay that much attention to him there in the paddock. Uh, my wife did. And uh, and then in the race, this Heaven Rock horse, he uh, uh, he was on the outside the whole way. Then the last, I would say the last five-eighths five of a mile, he was three wide, then four wide. And uh, he only missed the link that night and finished third. And I, that's what impressed me about him. And... Uh, uh, my wife, she 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 liked him just the way that he looked and uh, and also uh, we come to find out that uh, Ross Krogan had actually bought the horse. Uh, my wife said, "What do you what do you think? Should we should we?" And I said, "Take a shot." So we we bought in on him. Now, Dave, obviously you never know how a horse coming from overseas is going to perform, but obviously you have to be impressed uh, with his last three starts, uh, even starting with the qualifier at the Meadowlands where he came home in 26-4. and four. He's definitely a speedy horse for sure. Yeah, yeah, you're, not, like, you're right about that. You don't know how they're going to take the trip and how they're going to, uh, you know, handle the racing over here and all, you know. And uh, it was a bit of a gamble, but um, and the horse actually came with a reputation of being a little bit tough to deal with. and. Uh, you know, like I said, my wife, <laughs> my wife liked him, so I tried my hardest, you know, to keep everything smooth, running smooth. So, anyways, but yeah, you know what? It's turned out. He's turned out 
uh, a very, very uh, big surprise. And uh, I'm very excited about him now and uh, um, looking forward to his season racing in the uh, open ranks. Visiting with uh, Hall of Fame driver Dave Miller. Now, Dave, you uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the first race, the uh, his stateside debut. He finished a, a very close second to uh, Rodeo Romeo, who obviously uh, you guys saw again in the Commodore Barry. But uh, it looked like he was racing a little bit erratically down the stretch. Is that uh, is that kind of how you saw it from your vantage point? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yes, um, yeah. We're, we're, uh, he come with the reputation of not, of not being a very good steering, steering horse. And, uh, so like I said, I, I actually had trained him once at Gateway for Krogan and, uh, then we qualified him at the Meadowlands, um, the same way I trained him. We got to, and he was running out too much. So, you know, between me and Ross, we decided to remove his Murphy blind his blind on the inside and that day at Chester, um, he was fine until like I got to the open stretch and like he did, he veered in and, uh, I was like, well, we better put that back on him. <laughs> so we put the Murphy blind back on him and, and that's what he's worn his last couple starts. And, uh, he seems to get along fine that way. Uh, you know, on the bigger track, he probably doesn't need it, but on the littler tracks, he's, uh, probably going to need that piece of equipment on him. So, yeah, and, and and I mean he raced very well in the in the Commodore Barry. I mean narrowly getting defeated by filibuster Hanover, who's uh, really going to be a, a tough nut to crack. I think as 2018 goes forward. But what I want to talk about, Dave, is his last effort. Now, it seemed to me, and, and you know, for those of you not familiar with the racing here at Harris Philly, it seems to me, that, well, well, on Sundays we race the upper condition level type horses, and usually if you get a nice Sunday, uh, you know, times are pretty good. I mean they'll go in the high 50s, low 51s. And Sunday, the weather really didn't cooperate. I mean, it was just kind of iffy. And, I mean, you were getting a lot of 53 and 54 miles. But Heaven Rocks went a 150. And I thought that was a real standout mile considering what some of the horses were going. Tell us about that effort. Did you have more in the tank? Uh, yeah, he, he won pretty easy. You know, I, I was impressed with his his, uh, his time also. Uh, it was very windy and uh, very, very very hard wind, uh, leaving the gate and heading up the backstretch. And, uh, um, but I was more impressed as the field of horses that he, that he beat pretty easy. I mean, uh, to me, that's more impressive than the time. I mean, uh, um, I think, you know, the way he handled, uh, the better's edge, I mean, who looked to be very sharp and that uh, we know he's a pretty class horse. And, uh, he, he, uh, he handled that group pretty good. I, I was pretty happy, happy with him because of that. And, uh, yeah, you know, he went pretty easy. We're still, believe it or not, we, we're still tinkering with his uh, his rigging and all. And uh, I think we pretty much got him. Uh, we we removed the ear hood off of him the other day and put the uh, pop-out earplugs on him, which I don't know if he's ever had that on. And uh, he handled that real well. Uh, so I, 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 I've been very happy with him so far. I, I know he's a little tough at times uh, getting to the track and coming off the track, but... Uh, as far as the race goes, he, he's been uh, he's been a real professional. 
Now, Dave, what kind of, uh, and maybe you guys don't have this mapped out yet, but what kind of schedule or what kind of expectations do you have for Heaven Rocks uh, coming up throughout the rest of the year? Obviously, he's raced against the best, and uh, after defeating Lenny the Shark back in January, who is now retired, obviously, uh, he, he is a force to be reckoned with. Uh, what kind of, you know, things do you guys maybe have mapped out for him going forward? Well, um, that 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 was one of the uh, things that we were were happy to hear that that he's actually uh, fully staked. Um, you know, his next race is at Ben Franklin, and, and uh, he staked uh, pretty much all the Grand Circuit races right through uh, Lexington, the Breeders' Crown. So, uh, you know, I, I hopefully uh, he stays healthy and sound, and uh, I, I think he's going to be something they're going to have to deal with. You know, I I don't think he's going to uh, dominate that rank. You know, but I think uh, he's something that's going to Gonna be knocking right there at him, you know. Scratch start. He seems to be a big rugged horse, and uh, yeah, I think he's going to be able to uh, compete with those, those the top the top class horses. All right. What else can we expect from Dave Miller in 2018? What else do we have? Uh, what else? What else do you have in the fire? Um. Well, <laughs> it's been kind of tipsy turvy this year, you know. Uh, uh, a couple of three-year-olds I had coming back this year are, are on the shelf right now. And uh, um, the aged, aged mares, it's been kind of tough. I, uh, I I took Darlin on the beach, and uh, she's on a bit of a layup at the moment now. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where uh, you just never know. You know, you just got to uh, keep working, and hopefully, uh, you know, something comes along that you're like, wow. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I got to go to dope. Canada. I got to go to Canada this weekend, and uh, I went to uh, Vernon uh, a couple weeks ago to drive a horse uh, in the Sire Stakes. End up picking up this other horse, and uh, for Blake McIntosh, his name is Courtly Courtly Cost. Uh, or anyway, he's in the, he's in the North American Cup. He ended up winning in forty eight that day. So that's what I mean by. Uh, you know, you just got to show up and, you know, hopefully uh, things will break through for you. All right. Well, Dave, listen, we certainly appreciate you, buddy. Best of luck. We know you got a lot of drives here today at Harris, Philadelphia. So uh, go get them, my friend. Okay, Mike. I'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot. All right, that was Dave Miller, the Hall of Famer, and uh, I'll tell you what, Mike, I mean, just a, a good, good, genuine guy, always great to uh, talk to a guy like Dave Miller, and he gave us a lot of good information on Heaven Rocks in terms of equipment adjustments and so forth. Yeah, definitely, and the fact that he is staked to a lot of things uh, helps his case, that's for sure. Um, one thing about him, Mike, he's not Seventeenth of uh, twenty eighteen, he finished eighth and went in one forty eight and four. What does that tell you about the class of wow. horse that he's been facing? Now, graded Lazarus, you would think Lazarus won that race. Anything for Love was the winner of that race, and it's a horse that we haven't really heard much from. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he goes. Uh, you know, going forward to the different size racetracks, he really seemed to get over the Meadowland surface well, and that could bode well for him um, in Lexington coming up in the fall. Yeah, no question about it. Uh, and once again, uh, speaking of the Pepsi North America Cup, I know uh, Dave brought that up. He's going to be busy, obviously, this weekend with eliminations. You know, he'll uh, more than likely be there for the final. So uh, make sure that you 
uh, keep us locked on your uh, social media pages as well as our website, posttimewithmikeandmike.com, as uh, we will hone in on the broadcast time. But we'll be broadcasting live from the Pep- Pepsi North America Cup. Mike, uh, well, Mike Carter will be there along with our good friend Garnett Barnsdale. And the Jessica's going to be there too, right? Oh, yeah. Jessica will be there. Uh, you know, it, it'll be the three of us kind of going at it again and uh, kind of talking to the trainers, drivers, and all that. And I'm hoping to have a showtime by Monday. So we'll see how that all kind of plays out. Fantastic. And uh, real quick, we've got a couple of minutes before we get to a commercial break. We've got Ken Weingartner coming up uh, in just a couple of minutes, along with the natural Rich Matei. But we do have a few minutes. So, Mike, I do want to talk to you a little bit about the Battle of Lake Erie. Obviously, you were there at Northfield Park. It was your last night at uh, Northfield Park. But nonetheless, uh, it was a fantastic race. I mean, bit of a legend. We talked about how a little bit of a disappointing effort uh, that it was in the uh, Kamala Classic, but he bounced back certainly in a big way in the battle. Yeah, he did. I talked to driver Jordan Stratton on air uh, before the race, and he said that Pete Tritton was not happy with the way he performed in the Kamala Classic. And boy, did he come back with an absolute vengeance, parked out for uh, a little bit more than three, or excuse me, he came first over for about three-eighths of a mile and just grinded away to uh, win the race. And he he looked very strong in the stretch and uh, really powered past to take over. So I was impressed with how bit of a legend raced. In fact, um, that actually kind of his performance there uh, made me move him up uh, in the top 10 uh, voting uh, when I sent my ballot in. So I think a uh, bit of a legend is trying to staple himself um, on top of the aged ranks. Obviously rock and Ron will be one that he'll have to deal with, but uh, it's a division that uh, could kind of go either way. Uh, we're not looking at a McGregor Mayweather type uh, type situation here where one towers over the other one. We've got a very competitive uh, older group of Pacers. Yeah, no question about it. It's going to be fantastic, and that's why we were talking about, you know, having rocks could fit right into this thing, too. I mean, he's, you know, he's a, a horse that's still learning his way here in the States, and I'll tell you what, that 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 150 mile on Sunday with the wind howling at about 40 miles an hour, that's impressive, Mike. That was, considering everybody else was going 53, 54 higher, that 150 mark stood out. That and... Robbie Burns, another horse that came from overseas, uh, a couple of nice overseas horses that uh, Josh Parker, trainer Josh Parker has. We were going to try to get Josh on the show, but he had some other obligations, so we'll try to reschedule Josh for maybe next week or the week after. But uh, Robbie Burns, another horse that uh, did 150 and two, so he got some talent, Mike, coming from overseas, and that you know you talk about the age ranks that fits into it well because. We know it's already going to be a very competitive year in the age ranks, but you add a couple of these overseas horses to the mix, and I'm going to tell you what, it's going to be a lot of fun. When we come back, we're going to talk to our good friend Ken Weingartner. It's the USDA Driving School. Talk about a lot of fun. That's always a lot of fun. Mike, have you ever wanted to be a driver? You know, I, I thought about it uh, as I jogged a couple of horses, but then uh, then then I realized that I eat too many cheeseburgers and can't be a uh, can't be a driver. So, <laughs> well, you know, it's amazing how easy these uh, these guys and, and gals make it look out there on the track. I mean, they just make it look seamless. And you know, from an armchair driver kind of point of view, like, man, I can get out there and do that. No, you can't. 
Listen, I, and I know, uh, listen, I know Mel Keith is listening. Feel free to quote this. I literally eat too many cheeseburgers and French fries for, uh, for, for, for driving. Uh, speaking of Melissa Keith, Mike, we, we listen, we gotta, we gotta step out and thank her. She does a tremendous job helping promote our show. We thank her, uh, because every week she helps us with quotes and things while we do our show to allow us to focus on, uh, focus on other things. So Mel, I know you're listening. We appreciate it. Tell you what, backbone of the industry. People like Mel Keith are backbones of the industry. I mean, just tirelessly promote the sport of harness racing in a positive way. So hats off to Mel. She's just she's one of the greatest in the industry. There's no getting around that. She's one of the best. When we come back, it's Ken Weingartner plus the natural Rich Matei and much more on Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Back after this. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877 800 87 82 extension 5555. Looking to bet on great racing from around the country and around the world? There's no better place than betamerica.com. But there's also no better time to join because right now we're offering a 100% sign up bonus up to $100 on your first deposit. Simply open a new account at BetAmerica, make your first deposit, and we'll add your bonus immediately. It's that easy. Sign up today at betamerica.com. Over the past 25 years, Hoosier Park has revolutionized harness racing across the nation. The action returns Friday, March 30th, with racing every Tuesday through Saturday, starting at 6.30 p.m. Join the revolution at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Visit HoosierPark.com for more information. Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, hits the road in 2018 by coming to your city starting on Saturday, May 26th for the Camelot Classic at Western Fair Raceway. On Saturday, June 16th, we invade Mohawk Racetrack for the very first time as we broadcast the Pepsi North America Cup. On Sunday, July 8th, is the New Vocations Telethon at Jackson Fairgrounds in Jackson, Michigan. Saturday, July 14th is our first trip of the year to Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment as we head to the Meadowlands page. On Saturday, August 4th, we return to the Hamiltonian State. We return to Hoosier Park Racing and Casino on Friday, August 10th for the Dan Patch Stakes and back again on Friday, September 21st for the Hoosier Pacing Derby. For more information, visit posttimewithmikeandmike.com. On this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. We're joined now by Ken Weingartner. Ken is live. I believe you're in New York, if I'm correct. I know you've been doing a lot of traveling, correct? 
I'm in New Jersey right now, but close. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken, talk to us uh, about your journeys over the past couple of days. You've been at the United States Trotting Association Driving School. And, Ken, I, I got to tell you, from watching some of the videos uh, that have been sent over here uh, to us, that it looks like uh, people are really enjoying themselves and having a good time. Yeah, the, the driving school, uh, this is the 19th year for the driving school, and uh, people just really get a big kick out of it. And the, the neat thing about it is it, it brings together be- people with so many different backgrounds in the sports. I mean, you have people that have never owned a horse, never jogged a horse, never done anything with a horse, to people who have been owners for a long time, and others who actually aspire to drive in amateur races or even – beyond so it's very interesting that way and uh people just love it i mean to get to work hands-on with the horses every morning and then uh hear from different people in the industry and classroom sessions in the afternoon uh where else can you get that type of experience in such a short period of time Ken, Mike Bozich here. Tell us a little bit more about the driving school. Like, say, for example, if somebody, you know, coming in cold just wants to do it, just wants to, you know, kind of wipe that off their bucket list. Tell us about, like, the process of going through and signing up and all that kind of stuff. Well, you can sign up through the USTA website, and um, it's pretty simple that way. And a lot of people do it. Uh, It makes a great gift for people, too down the road if people are thinking of something like that for the holidays or birthdays or anniversaries or Father's Day. We've had all sorts of things like that where people get the trip as a gift and you come out to the driving school. It doesn't matter if you have no experience at all. You're going to learn and uh, everything you do is with uh, somebody helping you out, either a caretaker showing you how to harness a horse, telling you about equipment. When you go out to jog the horse, you're in a two-seated jog cart and you'll be with somebody who is experienced to help you along the way if you're not comfortable holding the lines the first time you go out that's fine Uh, you know as people get more comfortable they want to get more hands-on and then once they do get hands-on it's hard to stop them then then they want to do it all the time because it's a lot of fun and people are always surprised that uh you know the, the power you feel when you're sitting behind a horse and you have those lines in your hands and uh, just to be, you know, one with the horse in that way is uh, very exciting. And as I said, you know, you don't need experience to do this. We have a lot of people ages from 16, you know, to people who are retired into their seventies or later that are doing this. And every person you talk to during the school and afterwards has tells you what a great experience it was how much they learned how much they enjoyed it and you know some have even come back another another year to do it again now ken kind of talk to us a little bit about the horseman aspect of this because obviously the trainers uh open their barns up to the students and just how willing are they to like kind of let them get involved and how supportive are they very supportive. Everybody that has been involved in this has been so supportive. Um, there's really no restrictions on, on what they're what they're doing there. Um, you know, they're going in there. They're learning how to put the equipment on. They're taking care of the horses, taking them out on the track. They're bathing them afterwards. They're brushing them. They're putting them away. It's you know, really, you get to experience the whole thing about what it's like to work in the stable. And 
the trainers are very open and helpful with it. They'll help take uh, people out onto the track and jog the horses. And the caretakers that work in these stables are tremendous. The caretakers do so much to uh, explain to people uh, the goings-on behind the scenes and working with them hand-in-hand and uh, showing them what to do. Very patient and, uh, you know, very informative. And, you know, those are the people that really help make the program what it is because it's that hands-on aspect every morning that really drives it. And people... You know, the first day you get there at 7.30 in the morning, after that, people are even showing up earlier than that because they want to get in there and they want to work with as many horses as possible. So uh, it's that type of enthusiastic atmosphere where, you know, it's all people who love the business, love the sport, and want to get more involved in some sort of way, whether it's just uh, learning more from an ownership standpoint or, as I said, you know, learning because they want to drive or train down the road. Resonating with Ken Weingartner. Ken, uh, listen, this may come as a surprise to a lot of people, but I really, really like to eat. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, so for a big guy like me, and I've heard, you know, obviously that with these new bikes, they're aerodynamic. Weight really don't mean a whole lot when you get on there. But from a big guy like me, is, I mean, is it is it cool? I mean, is it okay to get on the bike? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then and, and in these situations when you're, where you're, uh, in the driving school, for example, uh, you're not getting in a race bike to, to go behind these horses. You know, it's a, right. a double-seated jog cart, so it'll be two people there. And, uh, you know, that's what makes harness racing so much fun to, to me is that, you know, you don't have to be, uh, you know, five foot three and 115 pounds to do it. You can get behind a horse and jog a horse. You know, one of the the guys that was there, he was like six foot four, two twenty, and he said he'd worked with thoroughbreds his whole life, and said I've never been on the back of a thoroughbred, but this this is great to be able to do this with a horse and sit behind a horse and have this opportunity. This is one of the most marketable things about our sport, Ken, and I'm so glad you brought this up because this is the hands-on experience that you can get in the harness racing business is unparalleled when you try to compare it to thoroughbred racing or some of the other industries out there. I mean, just the fact that you can jog your horse, you could visit your horse, you could go, you could wash your horse, you could could do anything you want with your horse, to be perfectly honest with you. And I think that's one of the most marketable aspects of our industry is the hands-on experience that you can have. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And it, it is the thing, I think, that once people get a little taste of, it hooks them forever. And I think, uh, you know, the more people you expose to that aspect of it, the better off because, I mean, those people are going to want to do it. I mean, who wouldn't want to go out and uh, be able to enjoy their horse in that way? It's just something that you can't get with the thoroughbred side. Uh, None of us are going to be able to jump up on the back of a thoroughbred and and work it in the morning. But, you know, you can go out and jog your horse. You can go bathe your horse. You can just be as hands-on as you want to be. And, you know, you learn a lot about the business, too, and you learn more about what what it takes to make these horses champions. And I think people come away with a great respect not only for the horsemen but you know for the drivers you know after you sit behind a horse one time even if you're just jogging it 
you realize, uh, you know, driving in a race isn't that easy. You know, it's easy no. from the grandstand to do it, but it's not <laughs> easy to do it sitting behind a horse. And, uh, you know, the first time I sat behind a horse, the first thing I thought was, okay, all I see is the rear end. How am I going right. to see where I'm going? And, <laughs> you know, that whole experience is just wonderful and gives you such appreciation of the horses and the horsemen. Ken, real quick, before we let you go, you're also kind of the caretaker of the Hamiltonian Society Breeders' Crown Standard Bread Poll. Uh, week two just been released a few days ago. Hanalore Hanover once again in the top spot. Do you think she could run the table this year as far uh, as being funny. in the top you, spot you, on that you, poll you, the whole year? You, it's funny you mention that because I had somebody else uh, bring that up the other day. And I, it's possible, but I'd say it's unlikely. I mean, there are so many you know, fluctuations during the course of the season that, um, is it impossible? No, but is it likely? I would think not. And, you know, you've got so many horses like, uh, take a filibuster Hanover, yeah. who's undefeated so far this year. You know, what's he going to do? And, you know, once the three-year-olds get going and we have the North America Cup eliminations coming up here, and then we'll have, you know, a run of big stakes week after week after week for the three-year-old pacers and we you know call it the glamour boy division you know that could have a lot to say on what happens in the future but you know right now she's the only one that has a chance to do it certainly well ken listen we certainly appreciate you joining us my friend and uh, we'll be checking on with you as the year progresses thanks so much for having me all right, that was a good friend, Ken Weingartner. Ken, another good guy in the business, Mike. And uh, I'll tell you what, that poll is always interesting to watch. Um, you know, but I honestly think that, I mean, if Hannah or Hanover remains undefeated, I think there's a very good chance that she may, you know, uh, off of the first couple of efforts here in 2018, that she could definitely run this table as far as being number one throughout the year. Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be interesting to see when her and Will Take Charge hook up again, because Will Take Charge was awfully close to her in her last start. But uh, you know what? She's taking a chance going against the boys, and uh, she's going to be the one to beat in the top ten this year. Well, Mike, uh, we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit. We'll be talking to our man, Rich, the natural Mate, as uh, we could see history coming up this weekend. But more than that, we're going to let Rich dive into some of the things that uh, he saw at Gateway this past uh, Monday and Tuesday. We'll be right back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Attention all breeding funds. Did you know Pacing for the Cure has a stud fee for scooter program? Your stud fee donations will help those living with MS with severe mobility limitations obtain a scooter and be able to continue to enjoy their love of harness racing. Contact Jeff at pacingforthecure.org if you'd like to make a donation. Mike? In case you haven't noticed, Mr. Bill G. has begun pacing for the cure for multiple sclerosis. Join in on the fun and weekly contest on Facebook to guess where he will place in each race. Like and share our page. Great prizes available for the lucky winners. Better yet, come out to the racetrack and watch him race live. Let's start a Mr. Bill G. fan club and start blogging on the journey page of the pacingforthecure.org website. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. 
Standardbred Pleasure Horse Organization of New Jersey is proud to present the National Standardbred Horse Show. Coming up on August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. It's fun for the whole family. The fun starts on Friday, August 10th at 6.30 with games and fun divisions featuring the Sam McKee Memorial Barrel Race. Then on Saturday, August 11th, it's Western In-Hand Showmanship, Driving, Roadster, and Gated Divisions. And on Sunday, August 12th, Dressage, English Equitation, Jumping, Hunters Fresh Off the Track, Warhorse, and the Pacing for the Cure 2 Gated Pleasure Class. This year's show is in memory of the late, great Sam McKee. For more information, visit us at sphonj.org. That's sphonj.org. It's the National Standard Bread Horse Show, August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. Be there! Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And we bring in now the natural Rich Matei. Rich, what's going on, my friend? How are you guys doing today? Well, listen, we'll talk about the important stuff here in just a minute as we talk Justify for a quick second. But you're the announcer at Gateway, Rich. And talk to us a little bit about some of the horses that you uh, saw this past uh, over the past couple of days. And I'll tell you what, the seeing the, the first Captain Treacherous uh, score had to be uh, an exciting one. Yeah, and the interesting thing about the races at Gateway on Monday was that Julie Miller and Ron Burke had – 44 of the 55 two-year-olds that qualified there on Monday. And we weren't sure we were going to get the races in because it poured that night and he was even pouring in the morning. But they they graded the track. The track was actually rated good for the first race. And there were some exciting two-year-olds, especially in one of the races. In the very first race, they were still scraping the track with about two minutes before the first race went off, and the horse named Union Station wired the field, and he was a very nice one. And even in the second race, and I think this was the most interesting horse that you're going to see, I'm pretty sure the horse is a half to French Laundry, and that was a horse named French Cafe. He was very professional. He sat the pocket. A horse actually came up to him that was going first over. So he's kind of locked in the box as they like to say, and when that horse first over quit, he just popped out and he exploded. He was very good. Visiting with the natural Rich saying Now, Rich, we asked Julie Miller earlier in the show, and we've been asking a lot of these trainers over the past couple of weeks about what they look for in two-year-olds. Now, from a gambling point of view, from maybe somebody that's trying to make some money a couple of weeks or maybe a month or two down the road, what are you looking for particularly in two-year-olds? Is there anything really that you kind of look for during these races? Or, uh, you know, I mean, perhaps is it kind of, 
too premature for a gambler to look at things like that. You know, when I'm at Gateway, you interact with the trainers there, and they come out and stand right in front of you when they're watching the two-year-olds while you're announcing. And something that caught my eye was there was a horse in the eighth race. It was a trot race. Ron Burke had him. The horse's name was Final Claim, and he was sitting in the pocket. Yannick tipped him out, and he broke, and Ron Burke was furious, which taught, which told me that he probably thinks very highly of this horse. Now, Rich, but I don't obviously, know why you're going to see that he was Ford because he broke. Now, Rich, obviously, when you're watching these races, uh, you're watching talent, you're watching form and things of that sort. Form-wise, now, obviously, um, you know, we know who the winners were. Uh, from a form standpoint, maybe somebody made a big move or, you know, maybe somebody raced extremely well and just had somebody shake loose on the lead. Was there any other horses that kind of just jumped out at you? Yeah, there was a race. There was actually two races on Monday where they actually – had two and three-year-olds race against each other. And in the 11th race, there was a, I think it was a filly. It was either a filly or a colt. But the horse's name was Sweet Chrome. And they were a two-year-old, and there was one three-year-old in the race, and that was Ideal Life. And that horse got to control everything on the front end. And Sweet Chrome was sitting in the pocket. And Ideal Life opened up at the eighth pole. But Sweet Chrome had this turn of foot in the final eighth of a mile and actually almost beat that horse. I actually said Ideal Life was gone, and I should have never have said that because Sweet Chrome actually almost beat this horse, only lost by a nose, and they went in 55-1. and won. And for a two-year-old to do that in his first uh, start, especially against the older horse, that really caught my eye. Well, you know, it's it's tough at Gateway because, I mean, it's first of all, it's a mile track. Second of all, the location of the booth. I mean, you're low. It's basically just a... They kind of just like a stand for uh, you know for all intents and purposes. So I mean, it can be tough for an announcer. But I gotta tell you, if anybody wants to go to YouTube and watch, uh, I think it was what was it? What race was it where you, you kind of had a little on? Yeah, yeah. Well, we race, gotta figure it out. Enough. You couldn't figure it out. You couldn't figure out the half. So so Rich. So this is funny, Mike, because Rich is announcing the race. He goes, and the half is in. We'll figure it out. So you got to well, you know how you know how you pause real quick because you did the last. You know how you pause and ask the person doing the time or what it was. So that's exactly what they said to me. So it's the first thing I I just said it. <laughs> Rich, let's uh, let's kind of uh, shift gears a little bit and let's talk about the Belmont Stakes uh, thoroughbred racing a little bit. This is kind of your specialty, and obviously, when we had you uh, on the uh, on the show before the Kentucky Derby, you basically were talking about some horses in the Derby, and you said that if Justify wins the Derby, he's going to win the Triple Crown. You stand by that statement? I'm very confident he'll win the race. Um. I don't know if he'll I think I I hope he wins, but I'm probably gonna bet against him just because he'll be two to five and or three to five. Especially with people buying those souvenir tickets. He'll be an extreme underlay. But what I saw on Facebook and Twitter after the preakness was, Oh, he'll never win the Belmont stakes. He almost got beat. Well, if you think that he can't win you're honestly kidding yourself because this horse has done things 
that no other horse has done. He broke a curse that was since 1882 when Apollo was the only other horse to win without running as a two-year-old. And he's only the second horse to win the Kentucky Derby with three lifetime starts. And people forget that. The only other horse to do that was in 2008, and that was Big Brown, another horse that was going for the Triple Crown, but he had foot issues a week before the race. By the way, with foot issues, Justify had a foot bruise coming out of the Kentucky Derby, and he still won the Preakness, and he fought the whole entire way with the two-year-old champion. And honestly, if Justify was not around this year, we would probably have the same discussion we're having right now talking about good magic. Now, obviously, Bravazo enters the race, uh, Rich, and uh, Bravazo raced extremely well. Uh, obviously, they all kind of closed in on Justify. I think Mike Smith was kind of leaving a little bit in the tank in the Preakness. What do you think? Well, like I said, when you're fighting a mile and a 16th with the two-year-old champion, something's got to give a little bit. These are animals, and racing with good magic is a whole different ball game than being up on a pace with a horse like Promise is fulfilled, like he was in the Kentucky Derby. And honestly, Mike Smith said after the race that Justify really didn't handle the racetrack. And honestly, the sloppy track helped Bravazo the most, and that's probably why he ran so good. And if you see them go around the far turn, Good Magic and Justify started racing at the 3 8 pole because they just – separated on the field, so that probably took some of the starts out of Justified. But if people say he regressed, okay, I can agree with that, but it also could have been the sloppy track, because if you see, his speed figures are actually lower in the Kentucky Derby and the Preakness on the sloppy track, unlike the Santa Anita Derby, where he got a 107. So, he's going to get a fast track on Saturday. There's only a 20% chance of rain. And like I said, people who think that Justify can't win, I don't mind taking a shot against him, but if you don't think he can win the race, you're honestly kidding yourself. Rich, we know this is a big couple of days of racing at, Bel- at, uh, at Belmont Park, obviously leading up to the Belmont Stakes today and tomorrow. Do you have any standouts that you like today and tomorrow maybe? Today I have a couple. I actually like a horse in race number seven. That's the Intercontinental Stakes. That's number four, Thundering Sky. This horse ran on that boggy turf course on Derby Day, and she was glued to the hedge where you didn't want to be. No horses were making up any ground on that part of the racetrack. And honestly, she just lost. She was up on the pace when they hit the first turn, and for some reason she was about eight or ninth by the time they hit the half. I just think that had something to do with where she was on part of the racetrack where she couldn't get a good feel for it. She should have won two starts back. She was bottled up, and she found room way too late. She ran the best race then, and she's cutting back to seven-eighths of a mile, and I just think that she can win the race. And in race number eight, the Wonder Against Stakes, which is a funny thing because the stake race before that, the Intercontinental, these two mares actually used to race against each other in the early 2004 and 2005. They actually hooked up in the Breeders' Cup Tillia Mare Turf at Belmont Park in 2005, and Intercontinental actually won that race over Wonder again. But I like a horse named Daddy is a legend. I bet this horse last time out. This horse 
and another horse named Rushing Fall. They ran on the Oaks card, and when they they went a 23 second third split, and that was just the undoing for them. They opened up eight lengths on the field, and in the final eighth of a mile, they just toiled. And a horse that was chasing that pace, but that uh, Rushing Falls and Daddy is a legend was in, was a horse named Got Stormy, and she came back to win the Penn Oaks Hill at Penn National last Saturday. All right, Rich. Well, listen, good luck this weekend, and uh, we'll keep uh, our eyes on you because we know you'll be watching some of the babies out of Gateway over the next couple weeks. Oh, yeah, it should be fun there. All right, that was the natural Rich Matei, Mike. And I tell you, what what good info uh, about some of those races out at Gateway, some of the horses that he saw, and uh, it'll be interesting to kind of see how, uh, how how some of those babies come back over the next few weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's always interesting to see from a gambler's point of view as well because, you know, we know kind of what the trainers look for, and the trainers look for different sorts of things. But what do gamblers look for at this time of year in the two-year-olds? I mean, what what strikes them in their mind? And, you know, he brought up a great point about, you know, maybe some of the trainers' reactions, maybe mingling with some of the trainers, hearing what some of the trainers have to say, who they're high on and, you know, who they're kind of mad on. So, you know, it's it's always interesting to you know see what uh, a gambler has to say and of course rich is one of the best handicappers that i'm telling you i have ever met and i've known a lot of different handicappers and i'll tell you what rich can go with the best of them yeah definitely he can definitely go with the best of them well mike we've had a fantastic show a lot of great people on this week don't forget next week is the pepsi north america cup we'll have our time schedule and everything set to go hopefully by Monday. We'll see everybody back here next Thursday with a first post of 1030. Can't stay here I know